1: Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and ideas for how to build happier habits into daily life. This week we'll talk about why it can make you happier to look for the missing puzzle piece in life and also how to tame the travel beast. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. I call her my sister, the sage, because she is so wise.
0: That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, we just passed the milestone of our 100th episode, and we have another
1: one coming up. Yay! Two years. Yes, it's hard to believe. And uh, to celebrate our second anniversary, we're going to do what we did for our first anniversary, which is to ask listeners to send us their favorite Try This at Homes, uh, any great before and after stories, favorite moments from the past year. So that's any uh, any episode, episode 52 and after is the second year. And we're dying to see what people uh, responded to.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. That's always fun.
1: I have to say my favorite episode has been and remains number 10 which was when we cleaned her closet, Elizabeth. That was a good <laughs> one. But you
0: have to find a new favorite that's after episode 52, Greg. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, now, in episode 98, we talked about the fun of having a quest as I tried this at home. And it has been so fascinating to read about people's quests.
0: Yes, we have heard of many. A lot of them involve gathering sort of experiences. So it's not collecting something. It's Doing something Um, like somebody wanted to visit as many libraries as possible. Uh, Someone else wanted to visit every county in North Carolina. That seems doable. Yeah. Um, Someone in Boston wanted to eat at all of Boston's top 50 restaurants. That sounds fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or visit all 50 states. Here's one uh, to see all of Shakespeare's plays performed live. And some plays are easy to get and then some are very rare. You know, they're not performed very often. So that sounded like a fun quest.
0: Gretchen, here's a quest from Lisa that resonated with me for obvious reasons. She says... (laughs) Each year, once the Academy Award nominees are announced, I try to see as many of the nominated films as I can. I like to go to the movies in general, but often don't fit it into my busy schedule. The awards give a little structure to something I already enjoy. Plus, it's fun to go on a movie date with my husband if it's a film that I think he might like or to go with a friend who likes the movies. So um, that's a that is one that I think a lot of people in LA have that quest to see all of the nominated films. Of course, now there's 10, it used to be 5. Yeah. So it's harder now.
1: But I think what's nice about this quest is it's very short-lived. It's like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. you burst into it and then get out and then next year is a new is a new uh, is a new opportunity to try it. And here's um, Jennifer had a good one that had to do with having a quest for someone else. She said, Your discussion about having a quest came at just the right time for me. I signed on to a volunteer position at my children's swim team that can be daunting. I'm in charge of the procurement of items for our team's fundraiser. Procurement is like sales, and that you must pound the pavement and have a very thick skin for rejection. It can be hard. I now resolve to make it my quest. Something about turning it into a quest makes it feel less like a task, and that makes me much, much happier and could lead to a lifelong habit of helping in procurement for fundraisers. So the quest can be about getting things for others as well as yourself, while taking the pressure off and making it fun. And I think that's so true, because sometimes just using a different vocabulary changes the way that you think of something. And so instead of being like, oh, this is this scary thing I have to do, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, charging off on my stallion to go on my quest. It's fun. That's a great idea.
0: Yeah. It feels less like drudgery (laughs) and and, and, and more like uh, sort of, yes, heroic, which it is. (laughs) Yes. That is not an easy job. That is not an easy job. Uh, Here's a really fun one from Jessica that you'll appreciate, Gretch, being a New Yorker. She says, for a few years now, my quest is to convince New Yorkers to buy bright umbrellas instead of the ubiquitous black ones. I think black umbrellas add to the gloom of a rainy day, whereas if everyone used brightly colored umbrellas, people would be more cheerful. Imagine how beautiful the streets would be. I started using Instagram a while back. On rainy days, I post a picture of a colorful umbrella with the hashtag buy bright umbrellas and hashtag no more black umbrellas. It's nice to have something to look forward to on a rainy walk to the subway. Oh, I love that idea. I love that,
1: and I had a rainy walk to the subway today, and so um, yes, it would be fun if there were a lot of colorful... Now, that is truly... Were you
0: using a black umbrella?
1: I was actually using a hideous beige and white striped umbrella that we somehow... <laughs> like. I, I think somebody left it at our house or something. It's for some hmm. you know organization I've never heard of, but I was not adding I did not have a black umbrella, but I was not adding to the to the uh, to the brilliance of the morning. Um, but now I'm inspired by like a bright purple umbrella or something. Well, you
0: know what this calls for? Your signature color umbrella. Yes,
1: yes. Perfect item. I know. If only we could decide on our signature color. I'm
0: still, I know. My latest is light gray, but I'm like, that's just because I think light gray is really popular now. So everything is light gray.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that would satisfy Jessica's uh, quest for bright umbrellas. Well, no, that's true. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) So, Elizabeth, this week our tried This at Home tip is to look for the missing puzzle piece in life. The thing that's missing that's going to really unlock uh, your experience or your happiness, whether that's like a reading lamp that's in the right place so now you can read in, uh, in this chair or the pan that's just the right size so that cooking is, uh, is, feels easier to do.
0: I love this because I feel like I have many missing puzzle pieces, Gretch. So I feel like I can apply this all over my life.
1: Well, you know, you were the one who really um, showed me the power of this, Elizabeth, because I remember years ago, you were visiting and I don't know, I was talking about clothes or something like that. And you said very casually, you were like, you know, what you need is a pair of flat, high black boots. And the minute you said that, I was like, hundred percent. That's exactly what I need. Flat, high black boots. Um, and I went out and bought them, which is very uncharacteristic of me. I found exactly the perfect pair. I have worn them probably, you know, on average twice a week for the last five years. But And it, it made it so much easier for me to get dressed because that was the missing puzzle piece that then kind of unlocked a bunch of outfits. But it was hard for me. I hadn't realized that that's what I needed. I needed you to. But when you told me that, then it was like it was like magic.
0: Yeah, I actually remember that because it's you were saying I can't wear boots because they're not comfortable. And I was like, well, you can yeah. get ones that are flat. And then you said you can. <laughs> I know.
1: It was like. I am not faded like this forever. I could actually buy a pair of boots of a different design than the ones I have. Um so listen what are some, can you think of some of your missing puzzle pieces what what comes to your mind? Yeah,
0: well I know one that I right now is a major missing puzzle piece that is on my mind yet for some reason I haven't taken the plunge and actually purchased the missing puzzle piece and that's a jewelry box. Ooh. Cuz you know where I we've I've got a new closet. Yep and in the bathroom, and we're sort of in the process of moving back into that bathroom and closet. And I know that my jewelry is just a mess. And so I never wear any of it. I just wear the same thing every day.
1: <laughs> That's what I do.
0: Right? And so I feel like if I had it nicely organized, it would be, I could see it and use it. And so I think I need a couple of jewelry boxes, but for some reason I never actually buy them when I see them.
1: But you know, this is total s- side note, but that's the kind of thing that's a good birthday present. Like, could you and Adam go like look at them, or could you pick one out? And I mean, that's like a very satisfying kind of birthday present to give. I feel like.
0: Oh yeah, that would be a good idea. That would be a great birthday present. What about you? what are your missing pieces
1: well what i've been thinking about a lot and i think it can be stressful to think about them because it's sort of like you you sort of have to open your mind to evaluate your your situation. And um, I'm getting ready to do the redesign of my website. And uh, yes, if you've ever been to my website, it's going to massively change. So brace yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've done this before a couple of times. And it's a hugely, I find, taxing exercise because you they constantly ask you, what do you need? What do users need? What are they looking for? How can we help them get their, get what they want more easily and quickly? And so you have to constantly think like, well, what if I had this tab or what if this this word changed to this word? And, and looking for those missing puzzle pieces. And it's exciting when you're done and everything works better. But I, I find it very um, draining to kind mm. of... I find looking for missing puzzle pieces very draining to sort of see what's not there. Like it's easy for me to take away. It's hard for me to see what could be added that would kind of unlock the experience. And
0: I think sometimes it is something small like an extra trash can where you're in a place where you're always (laughs) looking for a trash can, you know, like at one point Sarah and I each had a trash can next to our treadmill desk and it was so great because it's like I could always throw things away. Um, now we do not have that and it's a hassle
1: no no and I have a friend uh, who's an underbuyer, like I am and she was telling me how she uh, like the big revelation for her was she'd always had one charger for her phone and so it was always this thing like she'd have it at home and she'd bring it to work and she'd plug it in and she'd bring it back and then one day she was like oh my gosh I could get another charger and there would be one at home and one mm-hmm. at work and she was like it just it was so thrilling you know and it's such a simple thing but you, you have to see like ooh this is a missing puzzle piece that would make that would take a big annoyance out of my life so so
0: it's like if you're in a moment of frustration, stop and think, is there a puzzle piece that would solve this problem and make everything fall into place?
1: Right. Like if you're if you can never find someplace to throw something away or you can never wear something or you can never um find something on your you know whatever it is. Exactly. I think it is hard to do because you have to be mindful enough to pull yourself out and think like what are possible solutions? Sometimes you're not even consciously aware that you're annoyed by something. So you kind of have to tap into this feeling of like, well, or why do we never use this room? What's missing in this room Mm. so that we never sit Mm -hmm. here? Or why is this part of my office? I never use anything in this part of my office. Like, what could I, maybe I need a little inbox. Maybe I need, you know, a file organizer or whatever.
0: Yeah. I also think some people feel like a missing puzzle piece in their life could be something like yoga, yeah.
1: meditation, yes. you know, no.
0: it, it could be a, an element of your yes. life that's missing that if you added would unlock a lot more happiness, I <laughs> no, I'm so con- but that's a lot harder to accomplish than a trash can.
1: No, but I'm so concrete. I always go right for the trash can, but you're right. Uh, very often, I think it's people saying, I need some solitude. I need more time to read. I need more time with friends. Like there's something that like, if I could put this in... Or like if I could cook every night, then I would be I would spend less money. I would eat more healthfully. I would have more fun. You know what I mean? But it's it's like find that missing puzzle piece and then figure out how to how to how to plug it in. Yes, you're absolutely right. So let us know if you tried this at home and whether you were able to identify a missing puzzle piece and what that missing puzzle piece was. I would be very curious to see.
0: Yes. And it'll give us ideas. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Things that we don't even realize are missing.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, you can email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 102 for this episode. This is episode 102 for contact info, images, links, anything related to this episode that you might be looking for. Now, in episode 95, we talked about the tragedy of the messy commons, which is how sometimes shared spaces um, people don't take care of properly because it's not clear who's supposed to do what. And a common example of this problem is the dirty dishes in the office kitchen that are not cleaned or put in the dishwasher or whatever specifically mugs and Elizabeth I thought of you when we got this this suggestion um from our listener Hannah because I think you have a shrine to mugs you are you're really a mug person so I I thought this was a good a good solution that would appeal to you.
0: Yes uh Hannah suggests <laughs> To solve the mugs in the sink dilemma at my workplace, my boss took away the random assortment of mugs and replaced them with personal mugs. Each employee now has a mug with the company logo and his or her name. No one wants to leave their mug in the sink now because it can be easily traced back to the guilty party. That is so funny. I love this boss. I
1: know. know. It's just like, I'm just going to do this. It's like they just couldn't stand the the mug in the sink. But I think there's a couple things that are really smart about the solution. First of all, it's easier to change circumstances than to change people's, like, natures and patterns. And if people – instead of, like, berating people – to this is what you have to do, and i 'm going to put up this really aggressive sign and i 'm going to be really irritated when people don 't do it it 's like how can we solve this in a different way? A simpler, more straightforward way? This is like an easy, straightforward way it doesn 't take any discussion it 's just like there it is you wouldn 't have to buy a mug. you could just like write people 's names in like you know with like a sharpie on a on a piece of masking tape or something. And research shows that when people are anonymous, it does affect their behavior. People get up to mischief much more when they're traveling, Mm. um, when their names are not known, even when they're wearing sunglasses, because it makes people feel less identifiable. So anytime you want to um, affect people's behavior, have them feel like they're known by their name and that their behavior is watched that's just a very simple, elegant, scientifically uh, validated mm-hmm. solution.
0: It's the good old shame method.
1: <laughs> well, it's just accountability, right? Accountability. Accountability.
0: Well, as a mug lover, I love um, this solution. However, it would bother me that I only had one mug because you know, oh. <laughs> I like to change it up. But, but I get it and I'm impressed.
1: Well, you could have multiple mugs with your name on it. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, listen, now it's time for the happiness stumbling block. And this is a stumbling block that perpetually is something for me. And that is the problem of transforming into the travel beast. Oh,
0: gosh, Scratch. I share this one big time. Big, big, yeah. big time.
1: Yeah. And so I think for both of us, travel brings out our bad side. Like mm-hmm. for me, when I'm traveling, Anytime I'm going from one place to another, I get cranky, I snap at anybody I'm traveling with, I constantly panic, I've lost something, like, where's my phone? Where's my boarding pass? Um, We'll have tons of time, because I always want to leave tons of time, but then I'm hurrying people anyway, like, you know, we got to get through, we got to get through this, we got to get through security, even though we have like an hour and a half, you Mm know? Uh, And my thing too is, (laughs) I really don't believe in buying bottled water, and my kids... For some reason, when we are in an airport, there was like, can I buy some water? I'm like, no, drink out of the water fountain. You know, I mean, like throw a big fit. I don't know. It just brings out my worst side.
0: But I'm exactly the same. I'm on the way to the airport and it doesn't matter how much time we've left. And it's usually not enough time because Adam and I disagree about how much time to leave (laughs) before to go to the airport. That's just one of our marital disagreements. (laughs) But... As soon as we've been in the car for like five minutes, I just start getting so anxious. And the whole time I'm like, well, we knew there would be traffic. Well, I guess if we (laughs) miss the flight, we can go tomorrow. Or I know it's the last flight out. So (sighs) I don't know why we're even bothering to go to the airport. Maybe we should just turn around. (laughs) And it's just so horrible. And he'll say, you can choose not to let your anxiety get the best of you because right now your anxiety is getting the best of you. And I usually don't choose to conquer it. I usually (laughs) choose to just go on with my rants about how we're going to be late to the airport. And it's just unpleasant for everyone. And it's we're laughing, but it really is bad because it makes him not want to travel with me. Like He has this (laughs) dread of traveling. And I don't know what it's just this anxiety.
1: It is. I I think it's I think it's worse now because of security and everything because there's so many and also, I think living in LA and New York, it makes it harder because, like, it is. It's like in There's, Kansas City, yes. you knew you know exactly how long it's going to take to the airport, yes. like you know. But in New York and LA, like it can vary dramatically. Yes. Or like recently, I flew out of Newark, and they sent a thing like allow more time because of construction in Newark. But they didn't say how much time. Right. So I'm Fifteen like, minutes, half yeah, yeah. an hour, two hours. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, but you said you're laughing about it, and I really feel like if we're thinking about what works, I mean, the only thing. I feel like I can't help it. I feel like I, I can't, I can't not turn into the travel beast, but I've made fun of myself in calmer moments. And now my family just kind of laughs in my face when I do it. And which is sort of annoying for me, but I do think mm-hmm. it takes the tension out of it somewhat when they're like, oh my gosh, there you go again. It doesn't, it's not as operatic, you know? Well, that's uh, good. So I think being able to see this, the funny side of it can help.
0: And are you once you land at your destination or arrive at your destination, however you're getting there, does it just melt away or do you have to like get through all like the, you know, to the hotel and then you're fine?
1: I think for me, it's about getting to the gate. I think I think once I'm at the gate, Uh, it's about getting to the gate is much higher level. mm -hmm. And then after that, it's it's not as much. But it's interesting to think, like, what could people do that would make us feel better? What would calm us? And I I had an interesting example of this with Jamie, because like I said, we were going to Newark and we had left a ton of time. And yet, just like you said, once we were in the taxi or the car or however we were getting there, immediately I started to feel anxious and like we hadn't left enough time. But Jamie, see, the difference between Jamie and Adam is Jamie also wants to be early. So that's good for me. And so I know that he likes to be early. And I looked over at him and I said, I'm anxious about being late, but... You don't seem to be anxious. And he very calmly said, I'm not worried about getting there on time. I think we have enough time. And I was really glad that he just, mm. he didn't make fun of me. He didn't scoff at it. He was just like, I, I am not worried. And I'm like, well, if Jamie's not worried, then maybe I don't need to be worried. And that was a really constructive way for him to respond because that, that made me relax at least for a few minutes. Then when we got there and had to get through security, then, of course, it all right. flared <laughs> up again. But at least I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> agitated on the way. Yes. <laughs>
0: i 've been thinking, gosh I should like I should have some travel related um, um, anti anxiety medication, but um, to not go that route i don 't know what I could do, honestly, I think just the more time, the less anxiety.
1: Well, maybe you and Adam could agree in theory on like how to decide when to leave okay our, our flight leaves at ten twenty a m What do we think is reasonable? And then just commit to that. Because I think part of it is like the negotiation of when do we leave? When do we leave? That's very stressful. But if you could both kind of in a cool mind agree, could you do that?
0: Uh, no, because we don't agree on when to leave. That's. The-
1: but I mean, could you could you pre litigate that uh, like th- a week before?
0: Only if I say the pl- the plane is like an hour earlier than it actually is. I think that's. Because he'll, we don't agree on the amount of time needed to get to the airport.
1: I see. So
0: it doesn't matter if we talk about it a month before or a minute before. Right. We're never going to Because you just have agree. a
1: fundamental disagreement about, like, how long is it? Yes. Um. But I
0: will say the other problem with this, and I think, I'd love to hear if if other people experience this. It's not just the day of. It's like you can be a travel beast a week leading into it. Packing. Uh, Saying we should uh, really start thinking uh, about packing.
1: I am the worst. Um,
0: Saying do we know how we're getting to the airport or, you know. um, And I don't have this on car trips either. Like, as much I do have it somewhat on car trips. Cause like if we're going to Disneyland, I want to leave at, you know, 8 a.m., even though I know it'll never happen a week before I start going, we should leave <laughs> really early on Saturday morning to go to Disneyland. I don't know. It's a going with the flow that yeah. needs to happen. It's a, um, I think I just have to bite my tongue, like literally bite my tongue and not allow myself to vent this anxiety, and maybe it's like that, you know, behavior modification. If I, a few times I can manage to just keep it in and nothing bad happens, like we, we, everything goes smoothly, then I'll actually feel like, okay, everything can go smoothly.
1: But maybe it's also like what you would rather put up with. Like I would rather sit in an airport for an hour rather than race to the gate and then make it at the last minute. Like I just, that to me Like, I can't stand the thought of the racing. Even if I knew I would get in, like, I don't like the hurry. And I think for some people, they don't mind the racing. Like, for them, it's almost kind of fun. And so part of it is, like, what are you you trying to avoid? I think just even thinking through, like, all the different parts of travel beastness, I travel with snacks because I get I get worried about Mm. getting enough food. And you know, I love my plastic envelopes, which are the plastic sleeves. Mm -hmm. So now I put the boarding passes and the itinerary and everything in that. So I can just like open my bag and see everything's there. So if I'm constantly checking, I don't have to like go through everything. I could see that it's there. That has helped me.
0: Oh, I'm gonna do that. That would help me.
1: Yeah, because you could just see that your boarding pass is there and then like all your information's all in one place. And with the packing I use, I'm a huge travel beast when it comes to packing, especially when you're traveling with little kids and you have to pack for them too. So there's like a million different things. So what I did now is I'm like, everybody has to leave because what would happen to me is I would be packing and somebody would come up and start talking to me about something and I would get distracted. I would lose my place. I would think mm-hmm. I had packed something that I hadn't, or I had to like re- redo it all. And so now I'm like, everybody go away. Nobody talk to me. I'm just going to go into this reverie mm-hmm. of packing uh-huh. And it's still unpleasant and I would be beastly if you came and spoke to me, but nobody (laughs) does while I'm doing it because I just like, I'm like, I'm putting myself in quarantine That's funny. and it's better for them and better for me.
0: Um, Yeah. It's funny because when we were little, I remember packing being fun. Like we would be playing music. We'd all be packing and going in and out of each other's rooms. And it was like part of our vacation was packing. I remember that very clearly listening to the Beach Boys and packing. I don't know what happened.
1: We got to create that vibe. Well, we're not even—we haven't even really talked about work travel. Oh, yeah. Which is like, do I have my charger? Do I have my like my list of contacts when I arrive? And I don't know. I find work travel less stressful for some reason. Maybe because I only have to worry about myself.
0: Yeah, and also I feel like someone else is often organizing it, so you feel like you're just doing what they're telling you to do, as opposed to being in charge.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, if anybody's got any great suggestions, we're in desperate need, both of us, and our families will thank you. Yes. Any
0: former <laughs> former travel bees, speak up yes. and help us to bend our ways. Yes.
1: Yeah. Now for a listener question. Um, now, you can uh, leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336, or also that's 77-happy336, or again, you can email us at podcast at gretchenrubin. Rubin, um, and this week we have an email question.
0: Yes, it comes from Heather, who, Gretchen, is an obliger. Ooh. She says, I am wondering if either of you have tips for stopping an obliger rebellion. I appear to be in a full-on obliger rebellion with a side of burnout. <laughs> it's been going on all of January. It is a very busy time for me at work doing a high profile and important job in my research community. I fear if this rebellion goes on much longer, it might affect my job and or my standing in my research community." Right now, I don't think many people know what is going on, but I fear that it might be hard to continue to hide. I am annoying myself too, because I usually love to be at work. I searched the better than before book, but it only comes up three times. I have decided to take Thursday and Friday off this week. I'm hoping that wallowing in my desire to do nothing, some meditation, reading trashy books, and some girlfriend time will help snap me out. If that doesn't work, I am out of options." (laughs) So, Gretchen, um, you and I have discussed this. Um, I'm an obliger, so we've discussed it in terms of me, yeah. obliger, rebellion. Um, this is obviously she's referring to the four tendencies, which is your personality yeah. framework.
1: Yeah, no, this is a really fascinating question. So the, the the four tendencies, again, are whether you're an upholder, a questioner, obliger, or rebel. And uh, obliger, which is what you are and Heather is, that's the biggest tendency. That's the one that the largest number of people belong to. And what defines obligers is that they readily meet outer expectations and they struggle to meet inner expectations. So they meet a work deadline, but then it's hard for them to, you know, take time to practice piano if that's what they want to do. An obliger rebellion happens, and some obligers experience it more than others, when an obliger will meet, 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 meet expectations, and then suddenly they kind of snap and... They're like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And it is it's a very burnout kind of feeling or like an explosive feeling often. And sometimes it's small and can be kind of funny. Um, And sometimes it's huge, like people quitting their jobs um, or, uh, you know, having a really dramatic decision not to meet an expectation. And so Obliger Rebellion is something that many people experience.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because she's talking about doing things like, you know, reading trashy novels, spending time with friends and all of that could be helpful. But I'm wondering if there's a more fundamental need for change, like because Obligers, as we've said, meet so many outer expectations. Are there too many fundamental expectations on her? And does she need to remove some of those expectations?
1: Well, I think you put your finger right on it because there's sort of there's sort of two aspects of the question of like, how do I handle Obliger Rebellion? One is like, how do I manage this particular situation right now where I feel like my reputation is kind of going at risk? But then how do I solve it generally? Because the fascinating thing about Obliger Rebellion and something that took me a little while to understand is it's actually a protection For obligers, it's actually it's the eject button. It's the safety net. You know, to mix metaphors horribly. It's the thing where if expectations become too overwhelming or crushing, it lets the obliger blast out. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. So the question is, okay, well, what can you do in the short term? And I think her short term solution is great. Take a break. Say say I'm not going to you know I'm going to play hooky. I'm going to do exactly what I feel like. Get your battery recharged a little bit. But you're you're right. That it's really a sign of a bigger problem. And obliger rebellion is often a response to being exploited mm-hmm. or neglected you know, too much. And so when she says, okay, I have a high profile, important job in my research community. So my question is, do you feel like you're carrying more than your share of the burden? Do you feel like your your contributions are not being recognized? Do you feel like other people aren't pulling their weight? Do you feel like you're just being, things are being piled on you and piled on you, and there's no one saying, this is too much, this is unreasonable, And so I think it is. It's managing the immediate sense of obliged rebellion and how to handle it, so you don't blow up your reputation in the short term. But then also stepping back and saying, "This is a sign that something needs to be fixed. Something's not working, and that's what I'm reacting to."
0: Right, because it could also be like she has her work duties, and then maybe she also has to like do her kids' lunches, and she also has to, you know, get everyone out of bed on time. And you know, it could be that. it's like expectation upon expectation in all areas of life.
1: Yes. Well, I've talked to a lot of obligers about what what do they do at Obliger Rebellion because it is a very very pervasive problem and it can be it it can be a real problem for obligers because, like she said, it's like it can affect your job, it can affect your reputation, it can it can hurt relationships. But it's also a problem for everybody else because obligers are a very big category of person and they're also like they're often very valuable because the obligers are the rock of the world. There's they really come through. And so if you're a manager and you have like a really valuable employee that like always performs perfectly, you know, really, really ex- in, to, a, in a, to a really high standard and then they burn out and walk out the door. Well, that's a big problem for you as a manager because you just lost one of your best employees. So I think part of it is we should all be looking for obliger rebellion, all looking for these signs of burnout or people being exploited or taken advantage of to say, hey, I think everybody needs to do their own work here. Or I, I think that you're getting assigned to too many committees or like, mm-hmm. like let's think about how this is distributed. Or like in a family, you know, if one person is just slowly taking on too much, too much, too much, when that all explodes, it can be hard to manage. It's easier to ward it off than to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if there are other obligers, I'm I really am trying to come up with sort of a a, a game plan. For obliger Rebellion. But it seems like the best thing to do is, A, word it off, and then B, kind of let it wear itself out, and C, look for root causes. But if anybody has any other mechanisms for dealing with it, I would love to hear them, because it's a very common phenomenon. It's just a phenom- it's a pattern of behavior that's, yeah, it's just something that can happen when you're an obliger. So, it's so a great question. And Heather, good luck
0: Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the chore? Mm -hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier.
1: So listen, it's time for demerits and gold stars and your famous closet. Uh, that we've been following its fate, its it's crowded fate, its renovated fate, its empty fate, all these, What what is your closet-related demerit of your famous closet? Yes,
0: yeah, so I have my new closet. I Instagrammed a picture of it a while back because <laughs> um, I was so happy about it. Um, but the problem is, Gretch, I haven't moved stuff back into the closet. Are you scared of it um, it's, in its pristine it's, glory? Yeah, well, it's so nice and and (laughs) pristine right now, but it also feels overwhelming because what you realize is, oh my gosh, I thought I got rid of so much when I emptied out the closet, but in fact, I have box after box after box of stuff and I really need to do another brutal sweep, you know, where I really do the don't put anything in that I'm not going to actually wear.
1: Oh my gosh. I want to fly out there right now. And, and, and I know it would be so great. Oh yeah, it really would be. Oh, I would love that so much.
0: <laughs> and I hear your voice in my head, by the way, when I'm thinking of putting something in, I hear you being like, are you really going to wear that? Do you want to put that
1: in? Should you give that away? Why does that still have tags on it?
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. So, Anyway, yeah, there's something I kept by the way when we did my closet that still had tags on it, which I am getting rid of. You'll be happy to know. Okay. A shirt that you wanted me to get rid of and I didn't I'm now getting rid of. Um but anyway, so that's it. I just need to take the plunge and do the closet because I'll be so happy to use it instead of what I'm doing now, which is just having clothes piled on dressers and in laundry baskets that I could really only wear like four things that I just keep washing over and over because mm-hmm. it's too hard to get to anything. Yeah. So I need to do it because the whole quality of life is compromised at the moment.
1: Well and also you went to all the all the trouble to renovate yes. your closet and now it's just like <laughs> yeah. you're just enjoying it as a uh, kind of empty empty vessel. <laughs> I
0: uh-huh, but so that's me, Gretch. What's your gold star this week?
1: Uh, well, I'm going to give myself a gold star. Um, okay, good. Okay, so we were we went to Havana with some, which is super cool, with some friends for a friend's uh, birthday, and uh, we were at a restaurant, and so it was after dinner, and the question was, some people were going to stay and have a drink uh, after dinner, and some people were going to go back and go to sleep. And, okay, by the way, dinner was at 9 o'clock, which for me, it was like blowing wow. my mind. I couldn't believe I was like, having dinner at 9 o'clock. I felt so fabulous. And um, so, we're ha- so, it's, so it's late. For me, it's very, very late. And Elizabeth, you know, I'm a sleep zealot. I love my habits. Yes. So Jamie said, oh, I'm going to stay. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to go back and go to sleep. And I was walking down the stairs. And then I thought, Gretchen, you're in Havana. Mm-hmm. It's a friend's birthday. Like get a grip on yourself, <laughs> let go of your yes. habits and, and stay. And so I, I turned right back and went up to the top of the steps. And it's funny because you would say, how many people would give themselves a gold star for staying up late and like in a bar? <laughs> but for me, it really was the like the easier, more comfortable thing to do would have just to go back and go to sleep.
0: Yeah, I have to say, I'm shocked <laughs> that you stayed out. Because didn't you say you stayed out till 2 a.m.? Two
1: nights in a row. Wow. I know. The, Jamie uh, texted our daughters so that they would see how fabulous we were, that we were still awake. at.
0: Now, my question is, this is this is what it all comes down to. Did you have fun? Were you glad you got out of your comfort zone and stayed out of two a, uh, till 2 a.m.?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, what I did is I, I did the thing of saying, which what will I regret more? Mm. Not going or going. And the thing is, one of the things research shows is that we more more often regret things that we don't do than the things that we do. So I thought, would I regret it more if I was back in the hotel getting ready for bed and I was thinking, oh, you know, what's happening there? Or would I regret it more if I stayed here and I was really, really sleepy and wish that I was, you know, tucked away uh, with my head on the pillow? And I thought probably i feel i'll feel more regretful about not going and so i really shook myself and i'm like okay wake up you know like you're going to be awake for a couple more hours so i really kind of willed myself into being alert and i had a and i had a really great time and i was really really glad that i did it i mean it was just you know it's also you're only there yeah you know for so long so you know drink it to the fullest well i'm proud of you i really am <laughs> i know <laughs> For me, that was a major (laughs) major accomplishment. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Look for that missing puzzle piece. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at gretchenrubin.com.
1: And you know how to reach us. And remember, we're dying to hear what were some of your favorite tried this at homes from the past year. Or, like, do you have a great before-and-after story about something that you changed or did differently? Um, Is there a special moment that you love? I have to say that I think, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I think my favorite moment was you describing how you bought your mother-in-law the gift of a callus remover. And you were wondering whether she might take that the wrong way. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know. I, uh, I, I'm going to go back, look at episode 52 and on, and see what my other favorites were. So I'm dying to see what people choose. Um, oh, and here's another thing. I, we often get emails from people who are like, I know when you talked about XYZ, I can't remember the episode. Remember, in the show notes, I always try to put in keywords. So if you want to find something by searching, just go to happiercast.com and use the search function to look up something like podcast Sunday blues or podcast Rebel Tendency. And that's probably a quick way for you to find what you're looking for. Well, podcast,
0: hard-boiled egg maker. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward.